Welcome, everyone. I want to start by telling you why this podcast exists. Here's the thing. If you get out of bed in the morning, you are impacting someone with your life. We are telling a story, and every day is like one chapter in that story. The time will come when there are no more chapters to write, and the people we care about and the people that come after us will simply be reading our book. I don't know about you, but I am not that great of a storyteller, so I have to find an outline to follow. The most amazing outline that I have found is the one that Jesus gave us with his life. This podcast is about talking to people using that outline to write their own amazing stories. Our podcast is produced by Be Fun, Be Kind Podcasts. If you would like to explore podcasting yourself, Check out BeFunBeCon.com to learn how to create impactful conversation through podcasting. That's also where you can learn more about our mission and even partner with us through our journey. You can find us at BeFunBeCon.com forward slash Jesus taught me that. We would also love if you would just share this podcast with someone. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about how tragedy and how the unexpected things in our life can really define who we are and can really define our life's journey. And with us today, we have Trisha Roos. And Trisha, welcome. It's great to have you on. And you have so many things that you are involved in, but you are a speaker, you're an author. I know you're also a youth a coach, counselor, you have a background in athletics and just using that as part of your ministry. And the biggest part of your story is your child was born with a chromosome defect. And just walking through that is such a powerful story and such a powerful testimony. And I can't wait to hear how you are using that in your life to impact the people around you. I want to start off just with this question and throwing this out there and let you unpack this with your story however you want to. But how has the Christian worldview impacted the way that you viewed this versus the way that you think you might have viewed this situation that you walked through if you had not had that particular worldview? And so with that, let me throw it over to you. And again, just welcome you on. And I just excited to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And that's a great way of putting it because I do think that the topic of overcoming tragedy and using it for good in your life, your faith has everything to do with that. And in my particular situation, we were actually able to find out that our daughter had trisomy 18. We found that out when I was 12 weeks pregnant. And when you find something out that early, and if people aren't familiar, a lot of people no Down syndrome, that's trisomy 21. So trisomy 18 typically comes with more heart and brain defects than Down syndrome. And so because of that, most medical professionals just automatically recommend for you to get an abortion. And my OB, you have to go to a specialist to confirm the diagnosis and get a little bit more information. And the specialist that I was referred to, that was his recommendation. And really, he just couldn't get past the idea of us even considering the fact that we wanted to keep our child. He just thought that this was something that we should dismiss, get rid of the baby and move on because we had a three and a half year old son at the time. 
and we had said, yes, we want to have another child for our son to have a sibling. And so his mindset was just get rid of this pregnancy and move on to the next so that your son can quickly or more quickly get a sibling. And it was so much information being thrown at us at once. It went from thinking we had a perfectly healthy pregnancy to within 24 hours, finding out that she had trisomy 18, confirming it, and then being told we should go immediately get an abortion. And my first thought was, if someone's giving me that recommendation, that must mean that my health is at stake. Like maybe I could die or something could happen to me. But I quickly realized that was not the case. That was not true at all. And I went to Google, as we do in a lot of circumstances, just to find out like why I would be told that. And my husband and I were praying and talking about this. And we're like, we, we don't feel like we can do that. That's not right. That's not the right decision from a faith-based perspective. And it just felt wrong. But sometimes I think people think the doctor told me that. And a doctor is a professional and they have all this medical background. And so you should listen to a doctor. But once we sat and thought about it, we're like, we, that's not fundamentally right. Like we're not going to listen to that regardless of his credentials. And I didn't think that would be such a controversial decision, but maybe a month and a half after the diagnosis, we were interviewed for the WFAA, like Channel 8. There's a story as well as in the Dallas Morning News, and it was like the front cover story. And the premise of this story was local Dallas coach finds out terminal diagnosis for daughter and chooses to fight for her, that kind of thing. And I had started volleyball season. I was just saying, I'm called to ask these kids to fight and to try their best, no matter the outcome. And that's what I want to do as well. And of course, when it's such a huge newspaper, they're not really going to sprinkle in the religious part as much. But when that news story aired, especially the online version where people can type comments, it was really vicious. Just the response about how by me choosing to keep my child, I was being selfish. And it, it just became this really ugly debate. And that's when it hit me that this was maybe not the culturally popular decision and that there were people that thought I was doing something really wrong when I thought I was making the best decision possible from a religious standpoint and just for my daughter, like to give her some hope of survival. And that kind of changed things in my mind about how the world views um, life. And I know that I live here in Texas and the Heartbeat Bill passed on September 1st. And it was in, in conjunction with my book releasing that same week. And it was just really interesting, the debates that were spurred from that. And, you know, I can say with all of my heart that even though God uh, put us in a difficult situation and that we went through a tremendous tragedy. We lost my daughter when she was six days old. I know that as a family, we're stronger because of it. My faith grew because of it. I was drawn closer to God because of it. And now I see that um, my calling is to really help others in situations similar to that or that are going through a hard circumstance and are struggling with their faith. And I would do that a thousand times again even though we lost her. It was an interesting experience to see that kind of criticism throughout the pregnancy. But at the same time, we had tremendous support and we had a lot of people backing us and supporting the decision to keep her. And we were super grateful for that. You are correct in that this is such a 
polarizing societal topic, I think, for us to talk about. And it's interesting when we look at just the local impact of this, like the local decisions, right? It's easy, especially if you haven't gone through this yourself, it's easy for us to think about the the political nature, the societal nature of this, and not drill down into the emotional aspects of what different people are going through in this. And you obviously experienced this topic on a, a very emotional level, a very real level. And any of us, anyone that any of us, anyone that would come to this conversation or to this topic with without the the mindset of what someone would be going through when they're in that situation is is missing is missing out on obviously the the hardest context of the whole thing and so i just feel like approaching it from or telling this story from the mindset of this is the pain that i went through this is the struggle that we went through. This is, these are the decisions that we had to make. These are the like actual step-by-step decisions that we had to think of as a family, as a mother. Those are things that probably need to be drilled down on in these types of situations more than they are. I don't know. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I think there's sometimes a misconception with maybe non-believers or even young Christians to think if I have faith um, and if I add that into my life that God will make things easier for me. And sometimes it's just the opposite. You need to have those trials and those um, tough things that you go through to learn and to grow. And I have found that in some Christian books and movies that there's this whole story and this happened, miracles happen, but because they prayed, like God healed the baby and the baby was fine and everybody lived happily ever after, but that's not always how God works. And so I felt really called in my book to be very honest with anger and sadness and bitterness and all the emotions that I was having and just being vulnerable and all the decisions we were having to make and how overwhelming it was at times. But then also it shows that I was consistently pursuing my faith and I was consistently begging God for answers and for direction and guidance. And at the end of the day, I didn't have this miracle that my child was healed, that she was born and doctors were wrong and they misdiagnosed her. She still died and her heart condition, she had a two chamber heart, was not something that any doctor's right now in this world can fix or alter with a three pound child. And that is still okay. Like that ending can still be okay. I can still be okay. We went on to have another child and we are happy. And we are also sad sometimes because of losing her, but bad things can happen in your life and you can see God working in those situations and grow and be changed from it. And that can be a good thing. Yeah, that is a very good point that I feel, again, like we don't talk about enough, is just the circumstances that come out of things like this, right? The truth is we're all going to face some crazy stuff in our life, whether whether it's this or whether it's something else. And we can often look at those circumstances and say, why is this happening? Why is this a part of my story? And I'm can only imagine that thought <laughs> crept up at some point in time in your life or in, in the life of anyone that would experience something like that. But we all have that. I think it's how you 
it's how you react to it. It's how you let it define where you go from there. And so if you're a Christian, if you have a Christian mindset, I think we have a pretty good outline through the message of Jesus and through the life of Jesus of how we can react to different situations. If you're not of that worldview, if you're looking at this from some other sort of worldview, then you may have another perspective. You may have another way that you look at it, and you may obviously come to different conclusions. But I think it can often be paralyzing if you don't have some sort of model to follow, if you don't have some sort of guiding light that says, okay, this is happening. I can't change that. There's nothing, there's not a switch I can go to and turn on or turn off that will make this situation go away regardless of what my worldview is. Now what I have to do is try to figure out how to deal with it and try to figure out how to handle it. So for me, and the way that I just sort of think about Christianity and think about some of the lessons that we can specifically learn from Christianity and learn from the message of Jesus is to how to handle, specifically how to handle things like this. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, I believe I'm stronger because of that tragic situation. And I was challenged to just cling to God and to my faith and just seek him every day or else I wasn't going to make it through that day. And I also believe like having faith lets me know like where she is now and that when I get to heaven, I get to see her again. And I think it must be so difficult to deal with a loss if you don't have that belief. Uh, And I know that so many people in the heat of the moment of loss, of tragedy, of change can be so confused and so angry. And I relate that to just saying it's like this big tapestry and all we can see is like what we're in and it looks like a mess and you don't get it, but God gets it. And when I'm able to sit back, even just seven years later, I know that's just like a blink in our lives, but I'm able to see how God wove together our story and the people it's connected me to, and then the new ministry that I really have as a speaker and author, and the lives that I've been able to impact, I'm like, what am I going to get to see in the next seven years, and the next seven years after that? And then I think about a much bigger picture of my son, who was three and a half when he lost his sister. He remembers it extremely fondly. Um, And now he has another sister. But the way I see him treating kids with special needs or like certain circumstances that I see him in, I think this is because he lost a sister and he really understands death differently and life differently. And then I think, what does his life look like 20 years from now because of her life? And I don't know, maybe he's a pediatrician. You just can't see the big picture ever. But I I feel as time goes on, you are able to see little ways that God is making something so much bigger and greater. Yeah, that, that's interesting that you put it like that. You're talking about how your son might react 10 years down the road. I think that is just a great example of how we just never know how even small things in our life can really change the trajectory of who we are and really change the trajectory of where we're headed. So I think that was a really neat point to talk about. And actually, as a follow-up on that, I would really love to understand how this impacted you versus how this impacted your husband. Just approaching this from the viewpoint of motherhood mm-hmm. going through this, how did you see yourself reacting this, reacting to this situation, and how did you see this situation defining you maybe in a little bit different way compared to your husband? Yeah, that was something that we experienced. And 
I don't want to say I didn't see it coming, but I've learned a lot now about our differences in responses. And for me, and I don't want to stereotype all women, but I think because you have this emotional bond with the pregnancy and like growing the child, and then we were knowing that at some point she was going to die. For me, it was an extremely emotional experience. Physically, it was terrible too, because I was pregnant and that's its own thing. And I cried every day, all the time I was crying. And my husband was just the opposite. He was very put together, but I think it's because his innate like default is to be the protector. And when I'm in pieces, he was there making sure everything was okay with our son and that he was fed, he was bathed. We had everything in order for school. And even after Annabelle died, and then even to this day, I think that going through the death of a child just really made him cling tight to our little family unit and wants to constantly protect us and the kids. And there were definitely times where because I was crying and thought that was the right way to grieve sadness, I was almost offended or upset that he didn't cry very often or even at all for long periods of time because I thought you must not be as sad as I am but it took us a while of talking through that to realize that we just grieved very differently and I think we really saw that probably five years after she passed away so this would have been two years ago him and I both went through this pretty serious relapse of our grief I think the relapse happened because we never really dealt with it because after Annabelle passed away, I jumped straight into work. So did he. Then we had another child and then we had a baby and a toddler. And when life settled down a little bit, all these emotions came flooding back to us. And that was when we were really able to talk out some of those points. And so I do actually bring that up when I talk to other women to just say, hey, this may not be true for your situation, but my husband grieves very differently. And, and at first I was insulted and upset by it, but it's okay. Like he's still sad and you're still sad. You're just going to materialize those emotions in different ways. So I'm glad we did go through that as a couple because it's definitely something I talk to others, but it's made our relationship stronger just in general that when something tragic happens or when change happens, we just tend to deal with it very different, and there's no right or wrong way. I think that's where we also have to bring in grace when we're looking at other people, right? I think that's where we have to start thinking, this is how I'm dealing with this situation. This is how I'm unpacking it. These are the emotions that are unique to me. And I don't understand why this other person is not going through those same emotions, or at least not showing them in the same way. And we have to approach that mindset with grace because we often may not understand it. We obviously can't get in each other's mind to understand what we're going through and understanding how we are reacting to those situations differently. So we really have to approach those situations with a sense of grace, I feel, and really a practice of understanding where people are coming from. Yeah, for sure. And Every human has a different emotional response and physical response or whatever to change, to grief, to loss. And I've really learned that over time. And, And so now I think I can see someone going through something or see myself going through something difficult or my kids or my husband and be able to give them 
space to react however they need to react. Yeah, that's so true. I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now from a ministry standpoint. I know we're going to dedicate sort of a, a specific segment to this, but I do want to touch on it here as well. I believe your ministry now is called When Wishes Change. I believe that's correct. Is Did I get that right? Yeah, so basically I wrote a book, and it's called When Wishes Change. But also when I speak, my keynote address is just called When Wishes Change because one thing that really hit me when I was writing was this should not just be a story about me losing my daughter because even though I think that it's a powerful story to learn and grow in your faith and realize it's okay to not be okay and to go through all the emotions, I wanted it to be a lot bigger than that because I happened to start writing in Thanksgiving 2019 and then a few months later we had a pandemic and everything changed. And so that was basically the entire year that I wrote in 2020. And it hit me that I wanted to be able to relate to a bigger audience and a bigger theme so that anyone going through a change, through a tragedy, through a loss, when their wish that they wished for with all their heart didn't come true or materialize, how can you be okay with that? And how can you allow for change to happen in your life? And how can you look at it with faith and with hope as an opportunity? And I know that's been hard for a lot of people that I'm close to with circumstances in their life. And besides my daughter passing away, it's been hard for me in other circumstances in my life. And I worked in a high school, a Catholic high school for 16 years. I love coaching with a passion. I was the director of admissions, but I was also the head volleyball coach. And I just got to know my kids so well. It was really important to me, like relationships and getting to know the circumstances that kids were going through and walking them through those circumstances. I heard it all from the office, from teenage girls. And I think that part of my background in working with teenagers and youth, and then also as the director of admissions, I worked with parents, 700 different sets of parents a year. And all of that really has prepared me for speaking now in the different settings that I speak. Because I've spoken to high school and college kids, which they're in that mindset of what do I want to do with my life? And who am I going to be when I grow up? And where am I going to go to college? And there's so much pressure on these poor kids these days. And I witnessed it myself with kids that something happened that just shattered their dreams. And they don't have a sport foundation or it's just not that strong. They just fall apart to pieces. And that's when you start seeing those teen suicide rates go up and depression and anxiety. And so one of my big messages is talking to kids about that. And then on the other end, I've spoken at my church and other church groups and big women's groups. Because I also think as a woman in your like 30s and 40s, when you're raising young kids, a lot of people that have had infertility issues, of course, their wish of having a family changes. And then maybe they have experienced infant loss and child loss and miscarriages and loss. And that's a really tough place to be with your wishes changing. And then I remember one day I spoke to a group of women, probably 60 and up, And I thought, am I going to relate to these people? Are they going to be, hey, kid, you don't know what you're talking about. And it went really well. And I thought it was really powerful because then they're not only dealing with their friends getting cancer and dying and passing away, but also their kids experiencing those issues and their grandkids. 
And so they're taking care of multiple generations, and some of them may even still have parents alive that they're caretaking for. And their wishes are changing every day because of all the bad news that was around them. I remember at the end, the um, leader of that group took prayer requests, and everybody was having a great friend have cancer that's dying, a funeral they just attended, a grandchild sick, a son that just lost his job. And I'm like, these women probably need this more than anybody. I think we can all relate to the, the premise of our wishes changing because it's happened to all of us, but it's really all in about how you react to those changes and how you constantly pursue your faith and ask God, like, where are you taking me with this? What do you want me to get out of this? How do you want me to learn? And how do you want me to grow and be better as a servant to you in the future? And so that's the message that I have across the board for all different platforms. And I'm also really trying hard to speak to nursing and medical students because I want them to hear from a patient perspective of people telling me to abort my child and that my child's life wasn't worth it because I want them to know that as a parent, that was really hard to hear. And I hope that they're not shattering the wishes and dreams of their parents in the future. They should be honest with them, but they should be caring and compassionate and respect their wishes of wanting to continue a pregnancy instead of forcing them into an abortion. So it, it really, it goes a lot of different directions. And I enjoy the fact that I can mix it up and speak to all of those audiences differently, but we're all basically talking about the same topic. The people that I have seen really respond well to situations that have just been tough in their life or people that have viewed things like that. You mentioned opportunity. People that have viewed tragedy or unexpected things in their life as an opportunity to impact other people through that story have responded significantly better and dealt with that significantly better and come out of that with a much healthier life than people that don't have that that mindset and it's easy it's easier for us to not have that mindset so that was just a neat when you mentioned opportunity and and using this as an opportunity to impact people i thought that was a just a, a really neat takeaway from your story as a whole and so i appreciate what you're doing i do want to let people know where they can follow what you're doing or, or get in touch with you if that's appropriate yeah i have a website whenwisheschange.com and there's a couple of different things um, going on. So I do have a Facebook and an Instagram account just at When Wishes Change. And to me, I think social media is just one of those things that can be really toxic in your life. But I also think it can have a lot of good. And so my plan and my messaging, I think, is encouragement. There's quotes, devotionals, different podcasts that I've been on or different fun pictures of like our life being okay now, despite what we went through. And I always think that it's really encouraging to follow other people that are motivational and encouraging instead of just getting your FOMO from following friends and their vacations. The other thing is I have really encouraged my book as a great Christmas gift or a good gift for somebody that might be going through some changes in their life. Because I know just from Amazon reviews and feedback from complete strangers and friends that it hits people in all different ways. And I think in this day and age, we have so many resources to get help and guidance. And I'm sure podcasts were around like seven years ago when I was pregnant with Annabelle. 
But I, I think it's so much bigger now. And if I was pregnant with her now, that's really what I would be doing is listening to podcasts and hearing other people's experiences. There's amazing Facebook groups. There's amazing, you know, churches that have parents who have lost children, have community groups or something. So I just think that any way that you can seek out encouragement in your life, and if you have experienced a loss, like following people and Instagram accounts or whatever that has had something relatable, can definitely get you through those hard times. So my book is on Amazon and everywhere else. And then you can also link to it through my website. And then I am on TikTok now. That is um, a new endeavor. And there's a really cool video about our story with Annabelle on TikTok, as well as on my website. There's also some cool behind the scenes footage. The one thing I didn't mention is the whole entire time I was pregnant, this was made into a documentary. And my volleyball team that I was coaching at the high school I worked at, we ended up winning the state championship that year and dedicating the season to Annabelle. And then she was born about a month and a half later. And I had this whole crew filming me from two weeks after the diagnosis all the way until after her death and made it into a 30 minute documentary, which is really powerful. And that's on my website. So there's some cool things there and some backstory. And if you're a sports nut, there's also some cool videos about the state championship game and what went on behind the scenes. Yeah. Again, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us and encourage our audience to go check out the book, go check out what you're doing with your website. Just some really neat things that you have going. Trisha, this has been great. I've really enjoyed it. Really look forward to just keeping up with your story and and where it takes you and, and how you continue to impact people. This has been great. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us in this series as we explore more about who Jesus is. So much in our society has been influenced by his life in some way. Something I think about is that if I wanted to be the best painter I could possibly be, I would probably find the best painter in history to pattern after, maybe Leonardo da Vinci. If I wanted to create a really cool computer company, I would probably follow Steve Jobs. Plus, I don't know, apples are my favorite fruit, so that sort of makes sense. If I wanted to live the best life I possibly could, not just a good life, not even just a great life, but the best life, I would try to find someone who lived life perfectly. The only person I know of who has done that is Jesus. If you heard something today you're curious about, you have questions on, or you simply want to learn how to apply the message that Jesus gave us to your own life, I invite you to reach out. You can contact us just by going to our page at befundbecon.com forward slash Jesus taught me that. I'll see you on the next episode.